Another exciting episode of the Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast now proudly wearing Todd Byrne branded underwear. They're not very durable, I have to admit, but the ladies' range is quite good because it's guaranteed to attract Scott Sattler straight to your genitals. So get around it, girls. I'm your host, Damon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing all of the late-breaking news in the wonderful world of rugby league. Plus, we have a chat with former refereeing royalty and Greg McCullum who drops by to give us his thoughts on the rule changes and all of the action from the finals. We also chat with David Hunter from the Hypothetic RL podcast. Plus, we also squirrel away some time to trick Mario into being conscripted into the Palestinian National Guard. But first, I'm joined in the Media Watch Mario Studios by the only man who not only enjoyed his past life as a hospital orderly, he actually enjoyed carrying corpses down to the incinerator. It's Xander Risotto. Welcome to the show, mate. Uh, good to be here, mate. Was it a bit weird carrying parts of people's body and all that, being an orderly? I mean, you always talked about it fondly, which I don't think many orderlies out there do. But for example, I mean, there are times, I believe, where you might have been carrying someone's arm down to the bottom of the hospital. That'd be, in those moments, that must be it. You go, I've got a strange job here. You either have one or two reactions to that. You you either um, get in the mood for a barbecue or you, you don't feel like getting meat for a week. Um, <laughs> which one were you? So yeah, I, I enjoy barbecues throughout that period. <laughs> Did you ever feel tempted to sort of take one of the, the arms home just for practical joke purposes? You know, when you shake someone's hand and it falls off out of your out of the sleeve of your shirt? I, I can genuinely say no, I was never <laughs> tempted to take one home. Now, before we become the Dragons and recruit the oldest coaching regime in living memory, just a reminder, you can follow the show on social media via the handle at Voluntary Tackle. But be warned, we're mainly on Twitter. You can also follow Xander Risotto on the handle at Xander underscore TVT. Now, a big shout out before we start the show, Xander. I don't know if you've heard about this already, uh, but the great Todd Carney is become engaged to Married at First Sight's Susie Bradley. I know you'd be intimately familiar with her. Um, you're presumably very happy for, for Todd, I assume, Xander? Yeah, I guess. Well, it's a match made in heaven, yeah. mate. Uh, one is someone who has become famous for airing all of their dirty laundry in front of the nation via a tacky medium. And the other is this Susie Bradley chick. <laughs> <laughs> Just knew where that was going. Yeah, I know. Still hit the mark. Yeah, thanks, mate. Now, that, that, that bubbler incident, that always comes to mind. If I think about Todd Carney's private mm. life, and I try not to, obviously, um, but people would be aware of that photo. You'd think it's out there in the yeah. sort of zeitgeist yeah. of the world. Would that make it harder for him to pick up? Not from reality TV. No, they'd probably yeah. that'd be sort of a weird fetish. I mean, you know, being photographed peeing into your mouse is, is the metaphorical metaphorical equivalent of putting yourself onto reality TV on a married at first sight <laughs> program. I think so. It is the know. perfect metaphor. You're right. It is. Yeah, it's self harm, but in a kind of spectacular kind of way. It it is indecent exposure uh, <laughs> on a continual grand scale. I always think about it, right? Because obviously, when you've done something like that and it's so public. Mm. You would wonder when you're trying to meet someone, you're trying to woo a woman, 
and you probably don't use the yeah. word woo. It's a terrible verb in the 21st century. It's like courting. Uh, when you're dating chicks, let's say that. It's much more correct. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, would you think, well, look, I better attack this on the front foot because everyone knows there's, a, there's an image out there where I'm pissing into my own mouth. Uh, should I mention on my first date? Because then it's out of the way. And if she's into that, then I know that. That's fine. Then this is going to work. And then otherwise, if she runs away screaming, I know that I didn't waste my time. Well, I don't know. I mean, I really think you can attack this in a number of different ways. I, I suspect, you know, being that we know Carney's a bit of a, an intellectual, you know, he'd have prepared for this like a, like a, a debate where, okay. um, you know, he'd probably have taken a, a defensive posture and said, well, listen, mm. yes, I have done things in the past that I'm not proud of, yep. but I didn't intend to publicize uh, my acts in that bathroom to the world, whereas you have been on reality TV and clearly knew what you were getting into. So who are you to judge me? And I'm sure that's that's a really good way to, to make sure that you make a positive. Not very impression. romantic though, is yeah. it, Xander? To sort of start off like you're an under siege politician. That's right. Um, it, it isn't, but uh, but I think that it lets them know their place early. <laughs> there you go. Take a dominant stance early. <laughs> Just try try and try and be overbearing and 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 win the debate, uh, so that they'll fall in love with you. Is there any way that Todd Carney here could he turn it into a positive? Say he missed you. Mean I was trying to flick it behind my back. Um, he was just yeah. I've always said this before on the show but I'll say it again I think he was just exercising his own RSA laws uh, and this was his own way of doing a sort of a random RBT test because you don't have them in every sort of pub right the, the blow into the breathalyzer but he was just tasting his own piss to go mm, am I over? No I think I'm right to drive home He's at risk then right if he's tasting his own piss and he is pissed he's mm. going to make himself more pissed Again, is that how drinking your own urine works? I, I assume so. If you've got enough of it, enough enough booze in your piss, right? <laughs> I well, look. To be honest, I've never tried it. Uh, yeah. I don't, I've never been that wasted. But I'm not, not to say I would never try it in the future. Uh, it just hasn't happened in my life. You're still just open yet. to the option, then. Obviously, yeah. obviously. Yeah, this wasn't on the run sheet. Uh, <laughs> we mate, don't have you, a run when, sheet when you started. <laughs> this, this is why we did one. <laughs> look, we're going to um, go from the seamless segue of Todd Carney's thickened urine into looking at the next two games. We're, we're at the preliminary final stage. We've got the Storm versus the Raiders and we've got uh, South versus Penrith. They are salivating in nature because I think both of these games, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Xander, are going to be close affairs. Look, we're going to do our little predictions and I'm going to ask you a few questions here. We'll start with the Storm and Raiders. Now, interestingly, the Raiders have actually got a pretty decent record against the Storm in recent times. Do you think the Raiders have what it takes to actually upset the juggernaut, which is the Melbourne Storm? I think the, the tricky thing for, for the, the Raiders is the fact that it's going to be played in Brisbane and, and the Queensland government have dicked them around so much. So they're going to have to like fly there, uh, up there on game day mm. and they won't be able to acclimatise and all that kind of stuff. Should Papali put a hit on Palaszczuk? Is that like a bit of a pre-game tactic to kind of just assert their dominance early? I believe that's why they're not giving, granting them access. Um, <laughs> they have been dicked around though, right? Yeah, I they think have. They have to, yeah. their, their flights have been delayed by four hours. Yeah. They were told that they had to meet a criteria really late in the piece mm. and, they, and they only had two hours to do it. That's right. They, they, the Queensland government took a really long time to respond and provide the, the details of what would need to, to be undertaken by... Doesn't sound like them. Yeah, by the Raiders for them to, for them to meet their requirements. It, it, it stinks a little bit like they're, they're really kind of shitting on the NRL and sucking up to the AFL. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's a bit of a poor look for, you know, uh, one of the, 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 the key players in the, in the rugby league market for their government to be, you know, crapping all over the game. But uh, mm. I'm, I'm sure that Ricky will use that psychologically to his advantage. Ricky fucking loves this. Mm. Now, the one thing that Ricky Stewart does well, and we all know this, 
is he loves the under siege mentality. He's always desperate to be the underdog. And as you said, I think because he wants to use that as motivation and material for his players. Mm. Now, it's an effective tactic. I wouldn't say that Ricky Stewart is a diverse tactician, but he uses this particular one really effectively. And I actually think it might sound like they've been dicked around, but I think this will actually suit the Canberra Raiders because he's just going to use that as fodder. I think they'll be fired up and uh, they'll come out like they did against the Roosters last week. They'll they'll be... I thought we said we weren't going to mention that. <laughs> but they'll be full of energy. Um, and the Storm have leaked a few points. And with Munster having, you know, sort of come back from an injury, it's, it's going to be a tough uh, ask for him up against... Uh, you know, Hughes and, White, uh, and Munster have been really effective this year, but I'd, I'd say... Uh, in the last month in particular, Whiten and Williams have been incredibly effective. They've, they've been better form halves. Yeah. And look, we uh, we can go back and rewind on our podcast series. I think both of us were quite sceptical about George Williams fitting that team. And I think the mm. thing that we were most sceptical about was the fact that he is a running half and so is Whiten. Mm. How's that going to work? Well, it worked really well because... Ricky Stewart basically moulded him into a distributor. Yeah, and yeah. he's got a, a best, probably second only to Nathan Cleary in terms of getting repeat sets. Mm. His short kicking game fucking killed us last week. But we were going to really mention that. I'm sorry, <laughs> mate. It, the pain is still yeah. raw. Yeah, not only was he getting repeat sets, it was a very deft and deceptive kicking game as well, close in. Yeah, exactly. Like a, like a classic fucking Northern Englishman. You know what I mean? Just fucking gruff, and it looks a bit ugly, but it's fucking effective. And yeah. it's really irritating. It hey, was. It was quite. Occasionally, similar. they vomit in your pants, and you go, "Why the fuck did you do that for?" And you go, "Well, because I'm legless." It was. It was similar a little bit to watching what what um, uh, Luai and Cleary did the week before. Uh, to be honest, like the same sort of short kicking game caused us problems a week before. It's probably a trite thing to say, but if you look at these teams that are remaining, I mean, the, the combinations that exist between the halves. Uh, for all teams have been excellent this year. And you wouldn't have thought so, for for example, a team like the Storm when they've had someone like Jerome Hughes, who's a bit of a makeshift halfback, and he's really developed. There's been an interesting kind of transition in 2020 in that way, hasn't it? Certain mm. individuals have really had to shift their game. And Jerome Hughes been one and, and George Williams been another. And they've done it so successfully, and it's no surprise that they're here in the preliminary finals. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they've, a lot of them have really grown into the season as it's mm. come along. And, and, you know, to be frank, a lot of them had good luck with injuries as well. Yep, injuries is certainly a variable that tends to sink the odd team. I'm not going to mention any particular teams. Why, why waste our time here on the show today? But I want to ask you this. If Canberra were to upset Melbourne, and it would be considered an upset, even mm. though I think most people are kind of willing to concede it's going to be a tight game. So I don't think there's too much between them. But where's it won and lost? What do Canberra have to do? And who will be the candidates within that team that will get them over the line? Well, they're going to have to shut down Munster in particular uh, because he's he's you know been critical in getting them on front football and uh, just helping them generate those half breaks. And they're going to also really have to. I think they're going to really have to rush defence um, the outside backs as well um, to shut mm. down. And if they if they miss Munster, they're really going to have to rely on on their centres to to really I think uh, contain Olam. Yeah. And then of course, obviously, the middle of the field is going to be important. Uh, so so for Solomona, I think of the props, you know, Solomona's what he's going to be starting at lock, isn't he? I think he's on the bench actually for I, this game. Ironically, uh, Papali's a harder player to 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 handle just in terms of generating forward momentum than some of the, the bigger bodies that Melbourne have. So I think he's going to be the key to to you know making sure they win that the middle of the field. Mm. That low center of gravity of his 
just makes him so hard to tackle. And he's not at as high a risk of, of hitting guys, guys on the chops either in defence. No, big shout out yeah. to Jared Rear Hargraves, wherever you're listening to the show. <laughs> Fucking eight penalties, mate. Fucking eight of them. Jesus Christ. And we're not going to mention it. We're told we've already said that. Um, look, I actually think that Canberra brought a pretty simple game plan, Xander, to the match against the Roosters. And it was unfortunately it was very effective. It went up to a sort of softened, uh, sort of jellyish middle. I don't think they can actually do that against the Storm. I think the Storm can handle that simple mm. game plan. I don't think Canberra are going to go in there and replicate and be successful. I think if they're to knock over the Storm, they're actually going to have to chance their arm a little bit and be a little bit more creative because I think that's what the Storm want Canberra to do. And in previous matches, when Canberra have actually upset the Storm, it's because they've done a few things outside of the box. Uh, like that time they deliberately blinded their own player, Joey Lalua, <laughs> by a firework. The, the Storm didn't see that one coming. No, neither did Lalua. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't seen anything since. Um, but I don't know if you agree with me on that front or not. Yeah, no, I think you, you're probably right. Um, very different style of team that they're going to be playing with the Storm. It'll be more... I mean, Storm. the Storm have played a much more open brand of football. Um, this year they this have, year. haven't they? Yeah. yeah. We always talk about their structures, mm. and there have been criticisms made in previous years where they've been too methodical, they've mm. been too boring. But you can't make that claim this year, mm. I think. I think they actually are, especially when you've got Cameron Munster yeah. in the team, who is, I guess, the key to the ignition in terms of their creativity. Because you don't exactly—he actually plays a lot off the top of his head, mm. and he's got amazing footwork. So if you give him space, he can tee up anyone on the team, especially when you've got someone like Pappenhausen mm. in the back. For me. He's been a huge difference, Pappenhausen, in this oh, yeah. Melbourne Storm team. Pappenhausen's been, I mean, you know, if, if it wasn't for Tedesco there, he'd be in New South Wales number one uh, this year. Yeah, they, they you, you have to give Bellamy a lot of credit there because you're right, that, that criticism has been there for over 10 years that they're, they're an overly structured football team. Plenty but, of premierships in that fucking 10 years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, few of them ill-gotten. Two. Not as many as three. They have they have adapted incredibly well for a side that everyone assumed only. Well, you know, the knock was that they'd only won because they'd perfected the wrestle, and they they have adapted without the wrestle incredibly well. No, that's right. They've now got the hip fall, uh, the cannonball, <laughs> neck crusher. They, they've really diversified into their <laughs> dirty tactics. Congratulations, Melbourne Storm. Uh, what's going to be if you had to predict the name for the Melbourne Storm's next nefarious tackle? What would it be? Mine's the ball cruncher. <laughs> if Canberra is going to win, I think I see Papali, Whiten and Klockstadt yeah, having big yeah. games. Who are the likely candidates for the Green Machine for you? Oh, you know, I'd, I'd agree. Um, you know, William, Williams as well will be, you know, really important because as you said, he's a, such a major distributor. Um, what about weak links for Canberra? <sighs> I've got mine and he wears yeah. white headgear. Okay. Croker. Jared Croker. Yeah, yeah. Look, to be honest, I mean, he kept the Roosters in the game last week. I was very happy to yeah. see Croker out there. Amano, you're right. You're right. I've, I've had. I've, I thought he's been pretty good a lot of the year, actually. But um, Manu was having a field day with him, and he should have had a hat trick, Manu. He, <laughs> he got should over have the, over the line three times, and he only got one try in yeah. the end. Yeah, which they they didn't want to give Croker through the middle, uh, particularly when you've got uh, a rampaging Olam, so that he's really going to need to aim up. Let's talk about yeah. Justin Olam a little bit here because. I know that uh, my personally have, was a minute. I've been quite critical of him over the last twelve months, thinking he's a bit of a one-trick pony, uh, lacks a bit of skill factor, can leak in D. Mm. But geez, he's been good this year. Like I actually didn't think he had this level in him. I, I always thought, wow, what a strong direct player. You know, he's great for punching into the line. But 
for a while there, he was butchering a lot of tries for Melbourne. Mm. Not, he, you know, there was two on ones where he could have easily given it to the Fox, and he refused to pass because it, it seemingly he didn't have that skill in him mm. to just the two on ones. That's how rudimentary the skill factor I thought he was lacking. This year he's been teeing up. He's been mainly scoring, but he's been teeing up tries. He's been supporting, and his defence has been quite impeccable. So, big shout out to Justin Olam. I thought he's been tremendous this year. Yeah, no, agreed. And, and you know, Bellamy, you know, as we discussed earlier, um, he'd, he'd uh, made the same comment that they weren't even sure if he was going to quite make it uh, to the standard that they were after. But obviously, they put a lot of work in behind mm-hmm. the scenes to, to develop that um, that passing game and that dis- distribution game. Because you're right, he's he's much more. He's got a lot more weapons to him now. He's, he's he's always been a big hard runner. He's a fucking cannonball. But now having that that um, that distribution ability and the fact that he's finding uh, Ado Car on the wing, he, it's even it's just so much more dangerous because he sucks in defenders because of his size. And then for the person who gets the ball to be the fastest player in the game, it's yeah. just lethal. I always think about those guys. There are some guys that are so talented at being able to be sort of run over the line and skittle players. Mm. A few over the years. Have, have sort of lacked the skill of being able to pass because mm. imagine skiddling two or three and then passing to yeah. someone like Josh Adokar. Yeah. Um, and that is something that Olam's been managing to do this year that he wasn't able to do last year. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and like we said, I mean, you know, you've decimated the defensive line by that point. There's not much for Adokar to do. He just mm. has to run, you know, like. Is there a sense this year, Xander, for you that Cameron Smith, he could be coming to his last year? We don't know that for sure. Seemingly, definitely his last year's at the Melbourne Storm. Do you have a sense that this fairy tale that's been Cameron Smith's career is about to get a final chapter and he will finish with a premiership? Is that is that your sense of it? Because I'm starting to lean that way myself. Yeah. I mean... As much as it hurts me. I think it'll... I, I'm, I'm more fascinated. I mean, I think that's what they all want. Um, but Who's they? The media? Well, the, the Melbourne Storm one. Oh, the Melbourne Storm. Right? But the Raiders really fucking want it too because they, they came up short. And Melbourne, have, you know, it's not like Cameron hasn't um, won titles. You know, I think the, in terms of pure desire, um, they'll be up against a side who probably still wanted a bit more. Um, this, is, this is his last chance though. And yeah, we're talking about but, maybe but one of the most competitive blokes to ever play rugby league. His last chance, he, he still won it three years ago. You know, know what I mean? Like he was, and he was in three grand finals in a row. It's not like he hasn't yeah. had success. I'm not arguing that. You know, I'm like saying if, if it was Nathan Hindmarsh, <laughs> he would freak out. Allah, 2001. Yeah, that's right. No, but big um, shout out to David Hunter. So, so what I'm getting at though is is what um what what interests me more is if they fail, what does he do? Because I think that's what they want. Like that, you know, there he gets the fairy tale ending. He can go out the champion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, like Kronk did um in his mm. final year with us last year. But if he doesn't get it. Is that competitive nature going to push him to stay on with the storm? Oh, you think it might have implications for his future career? Yeah, I think that's why they've been refusing to make a call on it. Because I think, he, you're right, I think he really wants to go out on a big note. Me too. But if he doesn't get it, will, will it just eat at him that much more? You know, it's funny you mentioned that because there were coded things that Cameron Smith had said last year. Yeah. About but- contract extensions. And it did appear to be reading between the lines that... Finishing on a grand final seemed really important to him. That's right. And it sounded like if, if they were going to win, he was going to retire last year. Yeah, I believe yeah. that too. Yeah. Uh, now, they didn't, obviously. We knocked him out in the prelim. I wonder if Cameron Smith will just keep <laughs> going until he yeah. wins. I, know, I mean, this is, this is what fascinates me. I mean, if, if they just keep coming up short, does he play until he's 50? 
<laughs> which is about three years away because <laughs> he's quite old already. Look, it, will Cameron Smith change his game going into this? Because, again, when it comes down to a player that's literally thinking in the back of their mind, this could be my last shot at this in terms of trick players, or will we see the classic Cameron Smith, which is the one that's never overawed, that comes out like a robot and just goes through the motions and, and actually just does all the fundamentals right? Or will we see some trick shots from Cameron Smith in the grand final or indeed the preliminary final, depending if they get Yeah, I think, I, think he, he, I think he will be very focused and competitive, but I think we're going to see some unusual stuff from him, just given that the remit of the side is so much more creative right now. That's right. Yeah. Uh, look, predictions. Um, I want to. I'm going to hold you to account that if obviously if we, you're too far off, we're going to whip you with a cat of nine tails as per the TVT constitution. Who's going to win the game between Canberra and Melbourne, and by how much? Uh, you know what I, I I have a sneaking suspicion the Raiders will, will grind home uh, and win uh, by four points. Wow, you're going the Canberra upset. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Look for me. Look, I just have to back home their experience. I have to back home the fact that it's Cameron Smith's last year. I think the Melbourne Storm will win it. And also the fact they've had the week off. Mm. Uh, I think they'll win by seven. That's my prediction. And we're going to flip over to the other side of the draw, which is the South Sydney Rabbitohs versus the Penrith Panthers. Look, this could well be a very high-scoring affair. Prediction, who's going to win? I still think Penrith are going to win just because they had too, the week off. they're going to smash them. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Uh, look, unlike us, Xander, we're going to talk about the Roosters uh, because this has actually been a story that I think shocked both of us this week. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if I can speak for you or not, but it certainly shocked me, and it's the Kyle Flanagan saga, which is less of a saga and more of a depressing tale because mm. it looks as though the Roosters have actually told him uh, beyond 2021, which is when he's contracted to, we're not going to renew it. They've actually been really explicit and they've said, look, you're not in our plans. It's going to be Lachlan Lamb and Sam Walker, who hasn't played first grade Sam. Uh, a lot of raps on him, but he's not. A, he's far from an established halfback. I, I have very few things to pick apart when it comes to their policy in terms of retention and development. But this looks like a serious misstep to me because I thought Flanagan, for a 22-year-old who's only in his second year of football and first year at another club, I thought he played pretty well this year. What are your thoughts? It surprised me when I saw the... Um the rumor, uh, rumors about it, uh, the the Raiders game. Um, I thought they were just that. Rumors. Yeah, I mean, it didn't make much sense to me. I thought, well, I mean, he's he's been there for, you know, a year. He's was you know our top point scorer. He was almost the top point scorer for the competition. He'd he'd come across in leaps and bounds. Showed, from what I could tell, great character and responded really well to being dropped in favor of Lamb through the middle of the season. Mm. Um, yeah, he, he, yeah, he to... didn't blow up about that. No. He kind of copped it on the chin. He seems like a pretty unflappable type yeah. of kid too. He doesn't ever seem to be stressed. There's a touch of the kind of Cameron Smith and Nathan Cleary about him in that respect. Obviously not where they're at, but he's 22 years old and, and could potentially get there. And and he's actually played for a lot of injuries this year too, and he's done pretty well through that. Yeah, he's young. He's, what, 22? So um, it, it strikes me there's a lot of development there. I mean, the only thing I can kind of think of is that, you know, there's something we're, we're not seeing that obviously – Robinson and the coaching staff are, and it might what, just like an attitude problem. Or I mean, I, he doesn't show it on the field. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it's a, it, it. He just everything we've we've seen and read of him, um, there doesn't seem to be an attitude issue. Is he drinking Rams blood like his old man? You know, you, I mean, yeah, I mean, because that's off putting around the club. So the only thing I can think about think of is um, 
Kiri is is the kind of creative linchpin of the side, um, and he's not a big body, um, and he doesn't have a big boot on him. So maybe what the club is kind of thinking is that they need somebody who's probably a a bit more of a a hard running half who's got a big boot on them. Um, Who would that be though? It's someone that we haven't mentioned yet because. Yeah. Lachlan Lamb doesn't fit that profile. I think he's a, a good player. I think he could be a great player, but mm. he certainly doesn't fit the rangy, long-booted uh, yeah. half. You know, he's a bit more like a Luke Keary. Yeah. He's a goer and he's tough, but he's not that big. He's a bit like Adrian mm. was. And then Sam Walker, look, he hasn't debuted yet, but I've went and looked at a lot of his videos. and He's 18. Know, he's 18. He's, he's not a big body either. Um, mm. He has some light footwork. I, I, I can't see him too much in terms of his kicking game. He's mm. more got a running game. It worries me a little bit if that's the strategy. Like I said, uh, there, there must be something that there must be something in the plans if if that's the case. Um, well, let me put my tinfoil hat on because I've yeah. got something to pitch at you here. Okay. So could there be something a bit sort of Machiavellian behind the scenes going on here at the Roosters? Because we're already getting rid of, um, is it Farmer Silly? They've, 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 apparently, he could be going to the Dragons. Yeah, right. Sonny Bill Williams is gone. Orbo has gone. And they've said to Flanagan, oh, look, we've got no plans for you past 2021. That's a fair bit of cap space. By mm. then, you'd think the Morai aren't there. Yeah, yeah. Could this be the time to lure over Joseph Suwali? Because we all know that he's going to come on big coin. Uh, so the word about Suwali is that... Um uh, well, he's a fullback, so he'd have to push out Tedesco, or we play him on we, the wing. We play him in the centre. On in the centre, yeah, you could play him in the centres. Um, thing is with uh, with him, he's still contracted to South next year. Um, Here we go. Here's the South stipulation. Yes, yeah, South Souths have said that they're not going to uh, release him uh, to the Roosters. I mean, doesn't that when people think, oh, this little rivalry between the Roosters and the Souths? I mean, it's a marketing gimmick. It's not real. It's fucking real, isn't it, mate? Because this is a legitimate it's, it's, policy. South yeah. Sydney said, I don't mind if Joseph Suwali plays for anyone else, mm. but not the fucking Roosters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this fucking feud's real. Well, yeah, and, and, and I think for the same, for similar reasons, we didn't want to allow Latrell to go to Souths, but we, you know, weren't. But we fucking about, let him. We let him go, yeah. Because we're not arseholes. Yeah, I know, but, you know, we're talking about a club in Souths that allegedly covered up domestic violence, so, I mean, they're pretty scummy. <laughs> you went there. But do you think there's any credence to what I'm saying? So, it, No, you... I mean, it, it, well, I mean, our problem is in our outside backs, right? I mean, I, I don't think we have a big problem at centre. Mm. Um, you know, Manu's still, I think, one of the best centres in the game, and you've got Billy Smith, who's, who's an up-and-comer. Yeah, uh, well, people uh, forget about Billy Smith, but I think he could potentially be a, a big influence yeah. next year. He's he's only young, but he's certainly got that rangy strength that we were talking about before. Yeah, precisely. So you're going to have Manu, you know, teaming up with Billy Smith. Uh, I mean, it'd be nice to have Suwali, but I mean, the, the heart, like, we need we need a strong game manager. And a strong game management needs to have a, a, a big boot on them, in my view. They need yeah, to be able to... it's interesting, what, isn't it? Because I wouldn't say that Kiri's not a game manager. He but, is. But you're right, he's not in the sense of having that controlled kicking yeah. game. That's the one thing, if you were to put a black mark against the Roosters' season this year, mm. it was the fact that we didn't have a half who really tightened the coil mm. on kicking games. And we got a very few repeat sets throughout the year, mm. and we didn't have a half who could actually put the ball down the other end with any great depth. So what what yeah, what yeah, I felt we, we lacked all year was, I mean, Kiri's always been, like I think, one of the best eyes-up sort of footy players at spotting an opportunity. 
But when those opportunities aren't there and what's needed is for somebody to steady the ship, he's not the guy. He's yeah. an attacking weapon, isn't he? Exactly. So, so like, I mean, that's what we've, we've kind of seen is we've been founding, found wanting at the back end of sets uh, in, in tough, grindy games on occasion because, you know, previously the guy who'd steady the ship would be Kronk. Yeah. And he'd make the right call. But it's a funny thing with Geary, right? Because uh, your criticism of him is also his appeal. He's a, he's a guy who will always chance his arm. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, but that's why you want the balance. You want somebody, yeah. you know, to, to win a premiership, you need both. Yeah. You, you, need, you need somebody who's patient and willing to wait. Nothing uh, for Geary. That. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you need the aggressive Jerome Luai. Yeah. So yeah. They, they have it perfect in that yeah. sense. Is 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 clear and we saw it when they played us, you know, we, we put pressure on Cleary. Uh, he still managed to get with a forward running at him full pelt. Yeah. A kick away from what he's thirty and he and he made it to the ten meters uh, line whilst whilst being hit whilst kicking it. Do you reckon he has warm blood? I think he's a reptile. <laughs> Nathan Cleary. There's something weird about him. In it's fact, just, he has a bit of a reptilian face in the nicest possible way. I'm saying that. I always thought it was a bit more like a. Well, what was the when, when he had that um, that infected wart? He looked a little. Lo- <laughs> he looked, looked like a, predator. Looked a little bit predator. I, I was going to say um, uh, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, 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 or a Klingon. I mean, yeah. you love your fucking Star Trek. <laughs> um, but you're Let's right. talk more now. No, he, but you're right. He didn't look of this world. I think we can all agree. Yeah. That Nathan Cleary, in, in many aspects of this season has not looked of this world uh, in the, again, the nicest possible way because he's playing like he's a non-human mm. at the moment um, and knows no fear. That's a kind of confidence that's hard to mess with. And yet we almost took them down. But look, in terms of Flanagan, let's loop back to him a little bit because it looks as though he's definitely on the outer. Shane Flanagan came out to the media today and said <coughs> Kyle was gutted, <laughs> which is very sad. So he didn't see it coming until... Mm. Trent Robinson sat down with him this week and said, you're not in our plans. So he felt blindsided. Which clubs could benefit from a Kyle Flanagan-type player the most, in your view? Well, I mean, the word is the Bulldogs, right? Um, which would make a lot of sense. Well, because the, the Bulldogs would benefit from anyone. He'll bring a lot to whatever club he goes to because he, you know, he, he's a good player. I mean, he, he, he'll and make he's a sure, goal kicker. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, actually. Is he, he'll make sure you go up in sixes. Yeah. Um, he was... He was like absolute sharpshooter. And that was one of the other reasons I wanted us to keep him, to be honest. Who's going to be our goal kicker when he's gone? Yeah. TKO, who's good when he's on. Yeah, but you know... You you need an outside back somewhere. You you need somebody who plays 80 minutes. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. So it's it's, it's a tricky one. But yeah, that was the other reason I thought we should have kept him is that, you know, we we lost a couple close games, um, you know, by... A, you know, a couple of points. Like, I mean, if he, he almost had a perfect game against Penrith, but a lot of those kicks were bloody hard. He still he still nailed uh, what uh, four out of five of them, mm. or five out of six of them. Yeah, I so. agree with you. It's um, it is a bit of a tragedy. I actually think I'd definitely hold on to him if I could. I wanted to know what about what does it say about the Rooster strategy here? He's contracted to the end of twenty twenty one. Yeah. Why tell him now that he's not in our plans past that time? Is it to make sure that he leaves now, or are they just trying to be as transparent as possible? Because it seems unusual, right? Because uh, why, if you didn't think you had faith in him, why wouldn't you just give him next season to prove it to you? Why tell him now, when he's still got a year to go on his contract, that he's not in your plans in twenty twenty two and beyond? Well, it seems to be fairly common that you, you know clubs will tell like they they want to have a player on their books for two years, so there's certainty going into the following season about how they're going to perform. Um, you know, same thing with was with Latrell Mitchell. He was contracted to play for us this season, and um, you know got an early exit. Um, 
the back end of life. And that, that, but that was him agitating to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, the, obviously, Kyle's been, in his opinion, blindsided mm. by the coach here or the club. Mm. It just seems like an unusual one, unless they're trying to play a mind game and say, look, maybe we'll see how Kyle reacts. He needs a rocket up him. Uh, we're going to let him know that we, we, we think we've got two better halfbacks than you. And maybe he will stay and actually play well this year. But the word doesn't is look like it. No, yeah. it looks like he's going to jump ship. And yeah. it's hard to say. It's hard to believe that that's what they were trying to do. I think they're actually saying that because we want you to leave and mm. free up cap space. Yeah, I think that seems to be the thing. And now I'm wondering who the Roosters have in mind. It feels like there's a big purchase coming. That, mm. that this is my sense of it. I don't know who it is. I just so you're, threw, yeah, you're thinking it's Swally. Well, I threw him out there yeah. as a bit of a... I mean, he's an obvious candidate yeah. who would take up a lot of uh, He's 16 space. years old right now. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it is him or not. And, and as you said, South have stipulated that he's not to go to us under any circumstances. Yeah. Mind you... Make it more satisfying. It, it'd be... Like, I mean, the thing is with Swally, like, he could go to one club for... Or he could go to rugby for a couple of years and then just go to the Roosters... Yeah, that's so, right. Which has happened before. How do you feel about South Sydney saying something like that as a rooster man, by the way? How do you feel about that viscerally and emotionally? Is that something you would expect from them? Does it make you angry? Does it make you laugh? Oh, it is something I'd expect from the vermin, yeah. Well, because there is some form on the board here, mm. Xander. I, I don't know if you remember this. We did a similar thing a few years ago. We actually gave them Mark Minicello, the lesser Minicello. And we said, you can only go to South if you put anthrax in Russell Crowe's coffee. So swings and roundabouts. Is that David Hunter from the Hypothetic Rugby League podcast? It is, mate. How are you doing? I'm very well, mate. It's Eamon here from the Voluntary Tackle. I'm accompanied by my partner in crime, Xander, who I believe you've already met. Met, but we've talked. Yeah. G'day, David. Good to talk to you again. Hey, Xander. How you going, mate? Yeah, well, thanks. Now, David, thank you, mate, for uh, taking the time out to, to come and join us on our show today. My first question to you is actually not strictly rugby league related. I just want to know, is this your rival podcast debut or have you been around town already look um, i may have been on two or three other podcasts um i have I've, i was on the league digest the other day um as their Parramatta rep um lovely i had a small cameo in chasing kangaroos in their question time little one and i've um i think i've been on a couple others so look i'm not a i'm not a rookie it's all good i can <laughs> i can talk to other people i do have i do i am able to come have conversations oh david all of a sudden i feel so mediocre i thought i was special for a second there but no, no that's actually no, sounds look, like you're very well traveled oh look i'm not well traveled i just think i annoy people enough and, and ask them to be on their podcasts and they let me on oh, i love Which it it's strange for this one because you guys didn't you guys actually asked me so it's a bit weird yeah you got an inbound i mean that's how desperate <laughs> we are david we're so desperate as a medium and as a show um, that we ask just about anybody. But obviously for you, we're actually feeling quite excited because you're a person of rugby league note in the podcast world and uh, you've just recently run a, a pretty interesting series of hypotheticals uh, regarding the Super League. So I think a good starting question might be this one, mate. It, it's just about, I guess, your show and your work. Um, yeah. How did you get, I guess, interested in creating a rugby league podcast and specifically this idea of hypotheticals and around the Super League? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Oh, look, um, and when, you, when you're a Parramatta fan, um, all you have is hypotheticals. So that's, that's, pretty much all, that's pretty much all I can do. Um, you need to live look, inside I, your head. 
I, I have to live inside that magical world where I can I can award premierships to other teams, so that way I can uh, I can feel good. Uh, you know, I I mean, always loved podcasting. Like always loved the you know the sort of thing of of you know, chatting and and always loved listening to them. So you know, I got into I got into listening to a couple of those podcasts I was talking about before, um, and you know, I just sort of thought to myself. You know, there's a bit of a not a hole, but there's a there's a little bit. There's not really uh, something that does you know a little bit alternate history. Like there's all these history ones which are really great, but you know there's not a lot of what ifs. And I'm I'm a bit of a, a what if kind of hypothetical kind of guy. So I thought, look, I'll I'll come up with a, a podcast mm. and um, I'll name it something that makes it really hard for everyone to find. <laughs> and that's what I did. David, did you ever consider calling it sliding doors and affecting a Gwyneth Paltrow voice? Well, <laughs> I don't know if I could have. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We, uh, we won't put you on the spot and ask for it now. But... Yeah, I'm very bad at impersonations. I've, I've tried it before. I'm very, very bad at it. So, um, look, I, I thought it was a great name for a podcast. I thought it was being really clever. And then I've been told by so many people, I can't find your podcast because it matters <laughs> if you put a space or not into into Apple. So, um, like when you type it in, and it's like it's hyperspace thetic space <laughs> RL, and it's like, oh, I didn't realise I said it that way. And apparently, a few people that I know, like a few other podcasts, have said, oh, I've tried to recommend you before, but people can't find it. Oh, God. Uh, well, see, this is the thing, isn't it? When you come up with a, a sort of a highfalutin idea and it always sounds so good in your head and then fucking SEO gets in the way. Um, and look, oh, no. here's a bit of an, an illustrating point for you, David, because uh, we were talking about your show on our last episode and um, our, obviously Xander's been on your show to discuss the legendary Sydney Roosters and a few yep. uh, potential ideas and pathways that might have happened during the Super League. And uh, he might have just got your show fractionally wrong, Xander. What, how did you refer to David's show again? I think I think I uh, I referred to it as hypothetical. I think. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> so as I, to the I, hypothetical. I, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's fine. Um, look, I I listened to I actually listened to that today, so <laughs> I, I was having a bit of a chuckle as I could hear. Um, all the different variations of what you call my podcast. So <laughs> Sorry about that, mate. Pretty good. <laughs> That's all right. I don't care. Hey, you look. know what? I'm not. I'm not worried if if two people listen or ten people listen or zero people listen. It, it's it's fun anyway. So you know, like I encourage people to listen because it's it's like a crazy man talking to himself. Um, I will I will be doing a season two, um, probably starting next year, and I'm actually going to have some guests on, so that will be really good. Beauty. Um, I have have to invite one or both of you back on, um, you know, because I'll be, I'm almost going to have a, uh, almost so I'm saying it's a, an open casting call now. If people want to start contacting me, I can we work some out. But um, Just I to be I clear, enjoyed... you're not going to be doing a sort of a Harvey Weinstein type casting couch, are you? Just a regulation oh, look, work. It depends on what you look like, guys. I haven't seen you before. So, you know, if, you, if you're good enough to... To Harvey Weinstein, you, I might, I might have a think about it. That's great. You've used Harvey Weinstein as a verb. I love that. Um, and look, between <laughs> you and I, um, Xander, you're the one that's going to be in trouble, mate. You're the looker. Um, now, look, I, I do want to actually well, call. Well, I've heard, I've heard that he looks, uh, he looks like a, some kind of Italian stallion. So, <laughs> well, have you heard this on the grapevine? Have you? Or is it? Uh, or is this no, Zander? No, no, this could fine. be Xander's own press here. I'm a little bit suspicious. Um, yeah, could be. Mate, look, I, I did want to actually, speaking of Xander, and he's right here, he, he can normally speak for himself, but I'm going to just pose this one really quickly. 
Now, he was on your show, and I want to get your honest opinion and appraisal of his idea of creating these, I believe they might have been something on the lines of the Sydney City Griffins. Now, I was a little bit shocked when I heard about this, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to get this from the horse's mouth, all the birds. Um, What did you think of that idea, mate? Um, Look, I don't want to be mean to him, but that was probably the one that I didn't think he would actually choose. Um, But then... In saying that, I've recorded I've recorded the twelve episodes now, so I've I've finished all all the fan ones, and I've gotten I've gotten some really normal ones, and then I've gotten some really left field. Actually, I I really enjoyed his quadrants idea. I thought that was fantastic. You out hypothetic to the hypothetic guy, so <laughs> that was that was pretty exciting. Um, and it was it was one of those things where it was you know like. I've had a couple other guys come up with some really crazy ones and some of them just, you know, keep coming up with the same kind of ideas with each other. So look, I'm I'm all for I'm all for the Sydney Griffins. I, I loved when we mentioned I think I actually mentioned the word Griffin. So I think I ter- I think I made him select that as a mascot because I said to him, How do you blend a chicken and a tiger? Um, oh, leading question. I mean, I was going to say, if that, that sounds like a lead into a joke, how do you blend a chicken and a tiger? Um, but either way, like it was, I couldn't think of anything and all of a sudden it popped in my head. I was like, oh, what's the griffin? And I realized, no, that's like an eagle and a lion, but look, it's close, close enough. En- it's close Let's enough. It. Yeah. For my own two cents worth, how do you blend a chicken mm. and a tiger? The Chinese would call that a thick broth, um, <laughs> which is probably not a very catchy one, but I assume that no, they no. can't really run out there with a, with a stew on the front of their jerseys. But Xander, do you want to defend yourself a little bit here in regards to the griffins? I mean, I think we both agreed at the time that... Uh, there was not. There was no. There were no ideal solutions. But I did get a lot of feedback following the episode. A lot of people saying that North Sydney were the better fit, which I could see some of the argument there. But you know, from a geographical standpoint, uh, look, uh, I won't reveal too many secrets because there's some episodes still coming up. But I do have the North Sydney person, um, and they may or may not have, have you know thought about joining with the Roosters. So Ooh, hello. You know, that, that could have happened, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, you'll have to tune in. To <laughs> you don't that know. Because I, I like these Actually, little. I can't remember these but, little uh, cr- these little crumbs you're leaving, David. I quite like. I this. know. I know. Look, look. I'm determined. I'm determined to leave little crumbs so that you know at the end when when you you know your vast podcast uh, community listens, they go, oh, I really want to listen to that episode. <laughs> so. <laughs> Hypothetically, what would have happened on your show if Xander came up with a good idea? <laughs> I, 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 I do might think have, he, he might have taken over the show. He, I might have to have given it up to him. I do think that it, you know it's worth noting that we all respected my idea to transition away from all the teams and, and basically clean slate it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I at one point said to you, um, you know, why don't we just you know keep two or three of them and just dump everyone else to second division? But that wasn't quite as good. So look, I I, I like the idea of you calling them quadrants. I'm not sure about uh, when you talked about it last time about calling them Reichs, because that's probably probably a little bit off. off, uh, To be uh, fair, that wasn't me. That was was Mario and Eamon. I I generally avoid um, uh, bringing in Nazi terminology to my hypothetical ideas of rugby league. (laughs) Yeah, tough brand alignment, especially when you're trying to get women involved in the game. Um, It would be be a bit tough. Uh, I'm not sure whether you could actually get that up. Um, It depends on which quadrant of Sydney you're going to go for, though. You know, like a, certain quadrants may like that better than others. Mm. <laughs> this is very true, especially the the, the, <laughs> the whiter, shyer area comes to mind. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one, though. You did mention um, before, David, that you know, maybe sending everyone else to second division and, and starting back from, from scratch. I actually had, had a bit of a look since our, our discussion, 
just sort of where, where a lot of the old boundaries are. And, and actually, that idea has kind of grown on me, probably something that a lot of fans of clubs who've come in later probably wouldn't appreciate. But when you look at the old um, boundaries, Western Suburbs were playing down the road from Balmain when the competition first started. And um, North Sydney basically had everything north of the bridge. You know, Eastern Suburbs really had everything down uh, into Kingsford. And, and South Sydney really was more Redfern area. And all that. The, the boundaries were quite neat. And if, if, if anything, it would be nice if we could just have the Bears, the Roosters... South Sydney and Western suburbs, and maybe a central city, you know, like a side like Parramatta, because they do have that own that own separate city. Suck up. Um, <laughs> but yeah. there there is a logic to Parramatta. Look, I, you know what? I don't. I've said it many times before, and you know, after after last weekend, maybe maybe it'll, it would have happened. But I would still support my team if they played second division and they had a chance to come back. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you give everyone a chance. Not that I think the English game's going too well with promotion relegation, but um, you know, if you give everyone a chance to play in the top division, maybe that's what you do. But look, I'm I'm f- sort of well known for having crazy ideas about you know competition structures and things like that. So you know, anyone who listens to to my podcast or anything else I've put out there, I'm I'm always saying some weird stuff. So you know, like quadrants was all good. I, I was happy with that. I don't know if it would ever have worked. I think it would have would have pretty much destroyed the competition, but, you know, it would have been interesting. Well done, Xander. So speaking of ideas that could destroy the competition, it's a good segue, actually. I did have another hypothetical for you. Um, I like the way you've characterised your own hypothetical as destroying the comp, but go on. (laughs) Well, this is... I like the fact that you just keep it... it, Like, it's the... Like, I'm going to have the answers. I don't actually have the answers. I just pose the questions. Well, I mean, I've I've got an answer and and, and I'm really more just keen on your response here because, um, you know, I've I've basically taken the view that, look, I've just become a a uh, multi-Bitcoin billionaire in my hypothetical world. And, you know... Mm -hmm. Let's just say I've got Twiggy Forest-like money, $12 billion. I'm just going to throw $12 billion at the Rugby League. And fuck it, I'm going to give everyone a prize. So I'm going to allow every every idea that has ever come to Rugby League to, to have a team. So now I'm not going to cut back or merge or anything like that. I'm going to go from 16 teams to 28. Uh, and uh, we're going to have you know more than just national coverage. We're going to have regional coverage. And probably have to set up a, an NFL-like uh, structure. So, I mean, you know, I've got my ideas about what these would look like, but, I mean, where would you prioritise your, your teams? Yeah, so now you're going to give me the where does the expansion come from. That's right. Um, so we've got 28 teams. That means I'm like, I can expand 12 teams. Okay. That's right. This is going to be interesting. Well, look, you know, the way I love my podcast, if you were some early episodes, um, Glebe comes back. Uh, I think we, we bring back Newtown as well. So there's two. Bring back North Sydney. There's three. Then we can just... Put them all in the other capital cities. We'll put three, we'll, how about we put six in Melbourne, just because we want to fuck off the AFL, and we'll put one in Adelaide, one in Perth. I don't know what we're up to yet, but let's let's put someone in Cobar. There you go. There's a crazy. There's a crazy. Where's thing. that? King for Cobar. Um, out past Dubbo. There you go. I've been there <laughs> once. Yeah, right. So that what what have we got there? I think um, we just need one more. I don't even know. I lost count. Yeah, I no. need one more. Yeah. All right. Um, Wollstonecraft. <laughs> no, let's let's shoot let's shoot really. Uh, let's go for uh, Alberta, Canada. Canada. Okay, so we're gonna we're, uh, right. So that now we've got a very interesting looking competition. So I, I mean, I I, I I have my own version of this that I've come up with. I, I took it a little bit yeah. more seriously. I'm not gonna lie. No, I'm, um, I'm not gonna take anything seriously. So <laughs> but but I like your thinking. Um, 
try and cannibalize Melbourne. I'm, I'm all for that strategy just to fuck with the mm. AFL. Big fan of that. Um, so I've, I've taken uh, basically every idea that's ever come and said, you know what, you're going to get a side. So I've gone, the Brisbane Firehawks, they get a team. Uh, Redcliffe Dolphins get a team. Uh, Adelaide Rams come back. Uh, you get the Perth uh, West Coast Pirates, that, that franchise gets up. This time, though, it's not just them. Uh, they, uh, they, they get to uh, play against the Fremantle Fleet, so we're giving them a, a very nautical theme nice over there. Nice local derby there. The local derby, the Fleet versus the Pirates. You know, it has a real 19th century sort of English imperial feel to it. Mm. Um, we've got Suva. Whatever the fuck they're going to be called, I, I just couldn't work it out. We're going to have uh, well, the Siltails. That's the defeating Siltails, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's. I think you're right. I like that. Yeah, Suva Siltails. It's, yeah, it's even got a ring to it. Alliteration. I like it. So that, <laughs> then we, we're going to we're going to throw in uh, the Geelong Sandstorm because they're you know going against the storm. So we need something to dry out that wet, oh, wet weather. I like that would that be the first <laughs> team ever created? As an antithesis to another call, team. If you want something to dry it out, why don't you call them the Geelong? Um, uh, oh, I lost it now. Dinker up. Get it back. <laughs> <laughs> we just need. We just basically need a, 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 another weather um, pattern to come through and push a storm out. Like that's. What, that's about, what about you calling me evaporation? <laughs> I like this the Geelong scientific. evaporation. Yes, I like it. The, the Geelong clear weather. You know, <laughs> um, so we've got Geelong because they're their own separate city. There's a, there's a bit of pushback yeah. there. You know, I did think of having another one, but I thought, you know what, I'll push further. We're going to have the Port Moresby Chiefs, uh, the Tasmanian Devils. We have the the New Zealand South Island Bulls. Where are we going with this, Sander? <laughs> How this many is, teams are we choosing? No, no, we, we we're, we've got up to ten. I've got okay. two more. We've got All the right. Wellington Orcas, and we've got we've got the Central Coast Bears. So we bring back the Bears. We try not to get too much going on. In, we don't add to Sydney. We yeah. push it to regional no. New South Wales. So there we go. Yeah. I've just created a new empire, and it, it should only cost about you know twelve billion dollars. Twelve billion dollars. And your yeah. question to David regarding your big lofty Twiggy Forester type plans. Is well as a hypothetical. Oh, kind of yeah, look, you can do whatever you want. Well, like I said, you can do whatever you want with these. Um, you know, like the like the original episodes I did were all just you know myself. I had one episode with a guest, but basically they were all just myself, and they were just like little instances. We did a little bit of, of administration things, but never really got to those. And then um, I, so many people said you got to do something on Super League, and it's like, well, massive topic, and mm. I didn't want to do anything like that. So I went, I'll do a little mini series, and that's when I thought, I don't have to be crazy now. I can let all these other people do whatever the hell they want. So, you know, that, you can bring that, out the crazy in everyone you invite. Exactly, and this yeah. is this is what I, you know, I mean, I could do that. That's probably another mini series there, maybe in the next year. I say to people, you can. You can bring in, I don't know if I'll give them 12, but maybe I'll give them four new franchises and they can choose whoever they want and we'll just... I think we'll that's, that's actually not a bad... Like, I mean, for, taking us from 16 to 20 is a... Mm. It, it gives you quite a bit of scope. Mate, look, I don't want to pitch an idea at you and, and, and don't worry, I won't be offended if you don't take this, but how about you do a hypothetical thing where it's key moments in rugby league history and what would have happened if something... If it went the other way. So essentially a sliding doors moment. And I've got a scenario for you. If you humour me here, and I want to know what your reaction to this is. So uh, let me transport you, David, to 1999. It's the grand final. Yes, that's right. The Melbourne Storm, they're in their first one. And they're playing the St. George Illawarra Dragons, the newly formed entity, which was good for that year and not really good any other years. Uh, But look, it was a a tense game. Uh, The Dragons obviously raced out to an, uh, an early lead before Melbourne came flying back. And I think it was Kamali that put a cross kick across uh, to a Craig Smith who was about to field the ball before a Jamie Ainsco head-hide him. 
Now, my hypothetical to you, David, is this. If the referees had missed the Ainsco foul play, would he have gone on to become a club immortal and not a club villain? Because obviously for Dragons fans, they hate his guts, right? He cost them them a premiership. But if Bill Harrigan had missed that moment and never went to the video ref and just just said, that's fine, no penalty try here, would we be talking about Jamie Ainsco in the same breath as your Reg Gaznias, I guess is my question to you. Well, that's that's interesting. Um, there's so much to unpack on that. Uh, there's definitely an episode there. I'm, we will be doing that as an episode. I've already got my guest lined up. He's you know who he is. So um, <laughs> I've been on his podcast, and he he very much knows that he wants to do that game. So it's like, yeah, that's fine. Is this the um, legendary we, Michael Carboni? Uh, yes, it is. Oh, That's yes. exactly who it is. Yes, Michael, Michael Carboni, he does definitely want to do that. I said to him, are you sure you want to do something that one or, not, or something else? And then he's pretty sure he wants that one. So, look, I mean, he may change his mind, but I think we'll do that <laughs> one. I did say to him, what event, like, you don't want to just say, oh, St. George wins the game. Well, St. George, sorry, St. George or Warra, I've got to be really careful. The <laughs> yeah, do be careful. Um, doesn't, that, you know, that they win the game. But I'll tell you, that's a very interesting one because also if that happens uh, and Bill Harrigan misses it, so so poorly. Um, St George or I win that premiership. Two years later, Bill Harrigan's probably not the top ref anymore, and he can't f around with Parramatta in the two thousand one grand final. So we may have a chance of winning that game. I love um, it. It all comes back to the eels. I love your outrageous <laughs> bias, sir. I know. Look, I, I I've watched that game back since. I at the time in two thousand one, I thought he was caning us and it was terrible and he he stuffed us. But I don't think he really did. I think it was just us. Um, look. I think Ainsco would be would be you know held aloft, and they'd they'd all talk about how great he was. I don't know if he'd be quite Reg Gasney, um, but you know, look, I, you never know. He also, you know, a bit of confidence. He might be able to head high someone else, and maybe they win a couple of years in a row. Maybe I'm sure he would have. He was play. a a fairly dirty player. I'm sure he would have had a very mm. much the intention of doing that many other times to other players in the future if his rugby league career was allowed to prosper. Of course, it, right. di- it died in the arse after that moment because he became Rugby League's greatest villain. But it's interesting, isn't yeah, it? Because he could have been this guy... Because, that, sorry, you go. Yeah. I was going to say almost, but then there's a fella the year before that... I'm going to bring back to Parramatta again. There's a certain fella in the 98 prelim for Parramatta who I think might be the biggest... Um, oh, Paul Carriage. <laughs> exactly. I think he I think he lays claim to the one who's, who's the most ostracised of... Of all time, but uh, well, Gainsco definitely didn't didn't do uh, himself any favours in that. But you know what was he supposed to do? The guy was the guy was falling into the tackle. I think <laughs> I think if he had Channel Nine commentators nowadays, they'd just be saying, "Look, play on." He fell into the tackle. He fell That's into fine. the tackle. That's old school. I love it, <laughs> mate. I've got another one as a Roosters fan. This one still hurts. And I know Xander and I we talk about it every week on a Sunday over a quiet port. Uh, and just reminisce about this moment in 2003 where Todd Byrne could have sealed a grand final victory. Instead, he basically ran out, which was a bit disappointing at the time. My hypothetical, David, to you is this. If instead of Todd Byrne was on the wing, Brad Fittler scoops up the ball and he throws the ball to a flying Ryan Hall, does Ryan Hall run the length of the field and score? So we're talking Ryan Hall... Mid two thousands, not Ryan Hall. He played for the Roosters this year. I'm who, afraid it has to be. It think. has to be 2020 Ryan Hall for this one. Oh no! <laughs> I don't know if he's any faster than Todd Byrne. But although I think if Sattler tackled him, he probably would just dump him off. So 
you know, he's a bit of a tank. So he may have... Although, did he end up scoring any tries in the no. NRL? I don't remember if he got one. No. A big fat duckhead, he... mate. No, yeah. I, I can tell you what would have happened if he threw the ball to a flying Ryan Hall. It would have... It would have uh, been caught by the touch judge. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only they'd had Chris Walker on that wing, hey? I know, I know. And Mario reliably told us last week that Ricky Stewart switched the wings at the last minute, which I fucking know. hurts me even more. Look, Dave, we won't take up any more of your time, mate, but before you go, can you let our listeners know how they can reach you? There's obviously a few issues with the space bar, but if you could just tell us in what in what <laughs> platforms and in what social media uh, they could actually get a hold of your show because it's really interesting and I would love them to get up, to get about it. No, that's fine. Uh, look, it's so it's Hypothetic RL. So if you're on Apple, which most people are, apparently I'm reliable. Like I'm on Android, so I have no idea how this works, but I'm reliably told that you have to do Hyper, which is H-Y-P-E-R, then a space, then T-H-E-T-I-C, and then a space, and then RL. So the idea is it's Hypothetic RL. Um, I'm on Twitter at Hypothetic RL, so you should be able to find that because Twitter's not retarded like Apple. Um, and uh, I do have a Gmail account, and I have probably three emails, two of them are spam, um, and that's HypotheticRL at gmail.com if you want to email me. Probably easiest to get me on Twitter. Um, and yeah, look, by all means, I mean, I've got the series at the moment, which I've, it's called uh, Irrational Mergers, NRL and Irrational Mergers. There's, there's going to be, well, there's actually 13 episodes. There's a bonus, but you, you won't know about that till it happens. Hello. Uh, but 12 episodes with each of, yeah, you'll see what happens for that one. I bet it's about uh, the Griffins. It's definitely, it's all Griff, it's all Griffin related. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's 12 episodes, one with each of the Sydney clubs, including Elwara. Um, and obviously, you know, Xander's one's already come out. There's... I think we're at episode seven now, so there's still another five to go, uh, plus the bonus one. And like, feel free to go have a look at the back catalogue. There's some interesting ones there. Uh, basically, the the main idea of the podcast is to take an event in the timeline and then, you know, make a change to it and see what would happen. So, yeah, the idea for for next season is to do the same thing, but maybe have a few guests on. Because I had quite a few people say to me, "Hey, I'd really like to come on and have a chat about this this event or." Do that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's funny, David. Uh, we never get that here on the Voluntary Tackle. We never have people say, you know what? I just want to really go on and have a chat with you guys. Oh, well, look, you know, now you've had me on, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to come on for a full episode if you want me to. Beautiful. But, you're the gatekeeper yeah. to the normal people. You, I love this. You are going to, you're going to, well, you're going to have to talk a lot of Parramatta and not talk any smack about them. So <laughs> it's going to be too difficult for me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I'm. I'm not that one-eyed Parramatta fan. I'll, I'll admit at this at this point that you know it's been a long time, and I think it's going to be a long time to go. So, you know, like I'm in here for the long haul. So we'll just we'll see how we go. But yeah, look, I'm I'm very realistic about their chances. I didn't think they were going to win this year, but I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't win at least one finals game. Would have been nice, but yeah. Look, David, it's been a pleasure having you on, mate. And uh, in homage to you, we promised to have a segment on this show today discussing in depth whether or not Steve Menzies would have been uh, as big a legend as he was if he had worn the headgear. It's a tough one. We're going to dev right under the bonnet of that one, Xander. But, mate, look, it's been a pleasure, as I said, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on and we'll go on your show sometime soon. That sounds great. Thanks, guys. I'll just hope to see, uh, mix that up. Thanks, guys. I hope that I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Thanks, David. Take a, have a good night, mate. See ya. All right. See you, mate. Bye. Oh, yeah. Greg. Yes, mate. How are you? I'm very well, mate. How are you going? I'm going really well. 
Look, um, I'm, I'm joined by two of my colleagues tonight, Greg, for the Voluntary Tackle podcast. I'm here with Media Watch Mario and Xander Risotto, and they're very, very keen to get your thoughts on everything that's happening in the final series, and obviously um, a lot of the changes from a refereeing point of view uh, this year as well. I, I, look, you're obviously a, a very esteemed referee, uh, Greg, and I, I wanted to know, Peter Volandi's bringing in, particularly this year, the six again rule, and uh, also the one referee. I wanted to get your thoughts on that in particular. Have, have they been a success in your mind? Yeah, definitely. I think um, the referees, I think, deserve credit for the way that they've handled it. They, they had very little notice. I think it was less than a week uh, to prepare for... Um, they had very, very little referee. time to let them know that, that half of them were fired. <laughs> well, it was, and, and I suppose that's uh, that'll have its uh, ramifications as the season finishes, won't it? You know, Gabby Badge is already um, not involved next year as he's uh, retired from there after being tapped on the shoulder, so... I think you've got to have accountability in terms of penalties. I don't think you can continually wave away infringements um, and give six more tackles. I would prefer to have it in just the attacking half. So once you pass halfway and you're on the on the attack, I think that's when the um, the six again would be better applied. I'm not in favour of it being applied all over the field, but uh, yeah, that's something they'll discuss at the end of the season. And what's the um, rationale for that, Greg? Why only on the in the attacking half? Well, I think there's too much, um, I suppose, lack of accountability in terms of, of teams infringing. And if a team is being infringed upon while they're trying to ruck the ball out from their own try line, a greater advantage would be to get a penalty to kick the ball downfield. I think sometimes teams can get away with a little bit by um, the six again being applied while it's in, in your opponent's um, area where they're trying to ruck the ball out. I, I just would have had it from halfway onwards. Um, and that, I think, would have been a much more balanced approach to it. Greg, Mario here. Mate, I completely agree with you about the six-again rule. I think it, they take the piss a little bit, some of the defensive players on zero tackle. They'll do it pretty much every time. But one question I wanted to ask you, if you don't mind a bit of a... It might be a bit too hard-hitting if you don't want to answer, we understand. But wondering about Gavin Badger, from everything I can, I've can, i seen online and talking to people, it seems a general consensus that he was still one of the better refs in the game, probably top two or three at least. And I would probably not think that about, say, Ashley Klein and Cummins, but Cummins, the, the suggestion is that his surname is helping him and the badge was not a... One of the boys, basically. Do you have any sort of thoughts on that? Oh, look, I think there's always discussion when um, players or referees depart a club or the game um, at a time when they may think that they had a little bit more left in them. Gavin's problem, of course, um, fitness is not his problem, but Gavin's problem, of course, was that he wasn't one of the, I think, 10 referees that had been used um, throughout the season and therefore... I think someone's made a decision in, in at um, rugby league headquarters or the refereeing section of it that um, Gavin's better days are behind him. And, you know, we all have our view on uh, who we think are the top referees. Um, Gavin has been a, a terrific referee over a long period of time, but I think uh, at 47 years of age, whilst they, they're not saying that he, he can't referee, that's probably got their eye on younger referees coming through. And I think the big challenge for the referees over the next uh, season or two is to blood some more younger referees to come through. And um, At the moment, um, they're, they're probably 
hamstrung a little bit because there hasn't been a reserve grade competition this year and, and some of the referees just haven't refereed. That's been the problem. Do you think, Greg, that, you know, sometimes the fans are the best barometer for these things? And I've noticed, you know, someone like Gavin Badger is, he seems to be a people's favourite um, in a time when referees are under such intense scrutiny. There's not many referees that tend to have, a, I guess, a good reputation amongst the fans. Do you think that he has been a bit hard done by, given that there's been so much, I guess, uh, warmth and admiration for someone like Badge? I think Gavin um, put himself out there as a, as a person who uh, was a deep thinker of the game. He, he's done a tremendous amount of work with the Indigenous uh, side of things, and then he was a, a very strong vocal um, person involved in the, the protection of ch- children. You know, he himself underwent some um, horrific things as he was growing up. So I think all of those things have come together um, in terms of people having a high opinion of Gavin as a person. Yep. And uh, the challenge, of course, is to continually referee to make sure that that opinion is transfers into his refereeing. Um, look, the players love refereeing, um, being refereed by Gavin. I know spoke spoken to a number of players. They're always comfortable when he refereed the game. So, mm. look, time will tell as things move on, but um, a great career and um, let's hope that he'll be involved in the game somewhere down the track. Look, on, on a lighter note, uh, Greg, I want to talk about, uh, well, not a lighter note for Cronulla, uh, but it was a, a bit of a moment in that game uh, regarding the captain's challenge. Now, Wade Graham was blowing up Deluxe during that game because, uh, you know, he was questioning a decision as someone was taking a quick tap. And as he was turning around to challenge a call, Canberra ran straight past him and scored a try. Whiten, yeah. Yeah, it was Jack Whiten. How did you see that particular incident? Did it expose a flaw in the captain's challenge system for you? Well, I, th- I saw it as being quite messy when it happened. Um, but I suppose it comes back to the interpretation of what was set up. In my view, the captain's challenge uh, stopped short in some areas where uh, captains should be able to challenge. Um, they've made a decision on incidents uh, such as a play the ball where the game's broken down that you can't challenge. Um, they're, they're the exact ones that I think you should challenge. Mm, mm. Um, in... in what happened last night, uh, obviously the interpretation on both things, that the fact that you couldn't challenge and the fact that he was able to take the, the quick uh, free kick um, were correct. Um, the, the league's come out and said that. I, I don't think anything that rushes the game um, with kick or quick kickoffs or restarts or whatever, I don't think it's a good balance and I, I wouldn't like to um, you know, see a game decided by someone taking a quick tap 10 metres out um, and, and you know it swings the game one way or the other, and, and it did a little bit last night. It broke the momentum for the Sharks, um, but they're all interpretation things. They don't doesn't mean the captain's challenge is right or wrong. But I just think sometimes um, the game makes things a little bit hard for themselves. And I thought that ex- was a good example last night where it just became too hard. You bring up a good uh, point about that. Where you, we discussed earlier um, that the momentum shifts seem to be so extreme now that you, these big score lines have just kind of become a feature of the season. Do you think perhaps with the with the the discretion they've got around the play the ball area, things have gone too far, and maybe there does need to be uh, an additional uh, level of competition brought back for for possession? Yeah, well, I totally agree about the play the ball in terms of it has to be. Um, you can't have a contest now because you can't you know, play or strike for the ball, but it has to be a balance between attack and defence. 
Um, we're seeing time and time again at the moment uh, the momentum shifts come about by uh, teams not being able to defend after you know they've made a legitimate tackle and the player gets up and steps to the side or steps over the top and um, I'm seeing players move off the mark all the time. You know, you've got to, it's all right to be hard on the defensive side and make sure that they follow the rules of the game, but you have to be equally hard on the team with the ball. Mm. Otherwise, you do get this um, wild swing that takes place. And I, I don't think it does um, great things for the game where teams can't defend when they should be able to do that. Greg, we're obviously a big fan of embracing new rules and rule changes. Uh, here on the Voluntary Tackle, we've actually had a few over the years and wanted to get your thoughts on it. Uh, we thought it'd be a great idea to have a wildcard representative in a change where each club's number one fan has five minutes on the ground at a time. So, for example, with the Roosters, ours is a 79-year-old retired accountant called Alan, which I think would be great for the final series. How do you see that? <laughs> well, that'd be interesting, wouldn't you? You'd have plenty of people lining up to take the field, wouldn't you, in, in that situation? But Plenty of HIAs. Um, yeah, there would be. There'd be plenty of those and, and probably plenty of other things that we haven't even thought of yet that <laughs> might take place in that five-minute period. Food for thought, Greg, food for thought. Um, look, yeah. another one that's making the rounds this week has been the hip drop tackle. Um, yeah. Now, as a referee, there's been, I guess, a, a swathe of new tackling techniques brought on by mainly the Melbourne Storm, let's be honest, uh, since you've retired. Uh, but I wanted to get your take on this one. This is fairly new, the hip drop tackle, and I think we saw it uh, enacted by a king for Melbourne, and it looked bloody awful. Um, you can really put people's legs in danger. A, I want to know why this thing came about, and, and B, how can we prevent it? I think it's all about trying to immobilise the player with the ball, and um, most of these tackles, they, they started off when I was on the Natural Review Committee with the cannonball tackle where players were uh, completely down in the open and players were driving in. Then they said, well, it's okay to do it, but you've got to tackle them below the knee. And um, Then players get into the situation where they want to try and control the, where the player takes or hits the ground and when he hits the ground. Um, the tackle by King was a, a terrible tackle in terms of the outcome and, and potential serious outcome of injury. Um, it, it's all about, again, coaches drilling into players that, you know, you've got to be able to control the, the player. Well, a good tackle um, back in our day, and when I was refereeing in the 70s and 80s, and, and 90s, I should say. Yeah, don't um, sell yourself short, Greg. No, no. You're not was, that old. It was, well, let's say late 80s and 90s. <laughs> Um, the, the, game, the game had a great balance between attack and defence and there wasn't this need to you know, control where players fell, which direction they fell in, you just made a tackle um, and then the guy with the ball didn't jump to his feet or move off the mark, he just got up and played the ball which enabled the marker to get into place so it's all about buying time to get your defence set, it's all about controlling the guy with the ball and I don't know whether the game um, can really keep going down the avenue of players being put in serious um, positions on the field uh, for injuries. And, you know, the crusher tackles is another prime example of it. You know, it, it's holding players in positions and then taking them to the ground. Both of them very serious uh, types of incidents. Greg, um, are you concerned with, with what you've just said about how we're doing all these things to slow it down with the way the game is now being played this season and 
presumably beyond with the six again rule, meaning everything's getting faster. Are we at risk of coaches such as Bellamy and whoever else finding ever more dangerous ways in an att- uh, tackles in an attempt to slow it down because the game has gotten even faster? We have to try even harder to slow it back down. I think what happens on the training field during the week um, bears a little resemblance to what happens on the field in the games. You know, you can do all these drills where there's no power in the tackle, there's no resistance, um, and and put a player to the ground almost perfectly the, the way you want it to happen. But in a game, that doesn't happen because the guy with the ball is moving. Uh, he's trying to fight the tackle. And, um, you know, we don't want to get to the stage where he goes into a tackle and then his sole concern is safety. We don't want that in the game. The, the game should be safe enough for a player to go into a tackle, uh, offload the ball if he can, or if he retains the ball, um, hit the ground without him being controlled and put onto the ground. And, you know, it, it doesn't really slow the game down. All it does is create this incredible risk of injury to players, and, and we really need to look seriously into it. Yeah, I agree. And as a spectator myself, Greg, I, I just hate to... I mean, I want to see rugby league played. I don't want to see you know, the nuance of Greco-Roman wrestling going on. But I wanted to actually ask you something more uh, on your personal career as well, uh, Greg, because, you know, you had an illustrious career as a referee and I was keen to know what your favourite moment was as a referee. Uh, Is it possible to have a favourite moment when you're out there adjudicating and you're not a player? Oh, look, there are times in games, in fact, nearly every game, you you get a, a piece of play that goes on around you where you've played an advantage perhaps or you know you've picked up um you know a ball being dropped in a tackle that perhaps no one else uh gets to see um remember in my era we didn't have the um luxury of a, a bunker or video referee we we were there we had two touch judges and at some time in goal judges but you know you really have to make decisions and i think making decisions and knowing um, that you've got them right is a, is a feel-good factor for a referee. You know, and, and that can happen more than once in your career, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. I've got some great memories where, um, you know, I, I've really backed myself to make decisions and, and got them right. Um, on the occasions where I didn't get them right, you know, I, I felt the full force of the appointments panel. And, um, you know, a, a quick story, Mark Guy was playing at, uh, in 1988 and... I sort of worked my way to the top of the rankings and that was the last game before the semi-finals and Dale Shearer was playing for Manly and he'd just come back from a broken jaw and um, it was a tough game they were both playing for a top in, uh, a place for the top four and um, Shearer did a clearing kick and Mark I collected him I thought late um, and I sent him to the sin bin I thought beauty I've got this I've got rid of him now there's about nine minutes to go I thought well that's the end of MG but as I was bringing my hands down from giving him 10. The touch judge had come on from the far side. And he said, uh, what have you done, Greg? I said, oh, I've got rid of him, mate. It's all good. He said, yeah, but he's hit him across the jaw. And I knew then that um, I'd made a mistake. I'd, I'd rushed into a decision. Um, and it, it probably cost me the opportunity of doing the grand final that year. Um, but they're the things that happen in a game. And, and as I said, you know, you make the mistake um, and you can f- feel the full force. Um, of the appointments and, and that's what happened to me so some you know wonderful memories but also some learning things that happen 
uh, during my career. Big difference, obviously, these days is that anything that gets said on the field, there's a good chance there's a microphone, there's a camera that we're going to know what was said. In your career as a ref, did you by any chance have a favourite sledge that you ever heard a player use on somebody else? Oh, look, there's been, been plenty. Um, I must say, none of them were ever um, discriminatory. Um, that didn't happen back when I refereed. You know, players just treated the other guys a player, you know, and um, Koga Coleman from South was one of the best sledges. He used to, to sledge me and sledge them. Um, but you could get back, like I could say stuff back to him, you know, and that's the difference. You couldn't do that these days. Um, I gave as good as I got. But the key about all, all sledging is players will sledge if the referee allows them to do it. Um, I had a, a really strong... Um, position on it that players didn't speak to the other team, you know, and, and I'd, I'd shut them up. I'd say, I'm not putting up with that today because that would often trigger incidents that happened, um, particularly at scrums, you know, when they all came together after a sledge has taken place. But it, it it's key for the referee, and, and they've been a little bit better this year, but there's still a little bit of it. Every conversation I had with a player on the field, I started it and I finished it. I didn't have players coming at me ranting and raving and then holding the game up because they wanted to get their point across. I saw it today with uh, Mitchell Pearce. You know, Mitchell Pearce spent most of the game arguing with the referee. Um, didn't do him any good, didn't do his team any good. Didn't spend much of the and time tackling either. No, and that's what happens. You get distracted too. You know, that's, mm. a, that's one of the downsides of wanting to sledge or argue with the ref. You know, And that's a big, big thing for a referee. Control is the number one aspect but communication is important too there are plenty of times when i refereed where i didn't say much at all and then the, cl- the players who can't say are you okay are we all we're doing the right thing yeah i said i'm not speaking much today <laughs> other times and that got them thinking you know it was a yeah. bit of reverse psychology um i did that with mario a lot mario Fennec, you know, <laughs> okay. he's coming to me he can't greg greg is everything okay are we doing everything right for you i said yeah everything's fine mate but you're not talking to us. I say, oh, I don't feel like talking today. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you've got permission to be moody then as a ref. You, you Just like a player, you can do that if you like. Uh, look, look, there are times there where, you know, you, you work your, your backside out to, you know, get a game going. And there's sometimes the players just don't want to be part of it. They, they don't want to follow the lead that you're trying to set in keeping the game going. And they continually infringing the play of the ball or, or um, stand in front of you on the 10. And that's when you have to take action. And, you know, referees, despite what people think, don't like to give too many penalties in the game. You'd like the players to decide what's going on. But if they're not prepared to toe the line, well, you've got to come down heavy on them. Yep, fair enough. Look, you've been very generous with your time, Greg. So I'm going to finish you with one last question. It's not referee related. Um, who do you think is going to take out the comp and why? I think the Panthers have always been... Well, since the game came back and they won a couple of games where, um, you know, they could have lost. And I thought, you know, there's a bit of uh, impressiveness in, in this team. I think um, their halves are playing fantastic footy. Yeah. Um, the half and five eight are just, I think, head and shoulders above uh, the others at the moment. And provided they stay healthy, um, they're probably going to lose um, uh, the Lamy kick out for suspension uh, for a dangerous throw. Um, but they've got great depth and there's some really strong um, enjoyment factor in that team. You know, when they celebrate when they score and they're patting themselves on the back every time they stop the opposition from scoring. Um, 
it won't be easy. Melbourne Storm are a great side, but at the moment, I'd, I'd have to say the Panthers are the side that I think will win, and I probably would like them to win. And now, who do you think will really win the competition? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hi. It's Big Bad Mario. How you going, mate? I'm good, mate. How you doing? Good. Sorry, I know you said you've got a pretty busy schedule tonight. I hope we haven't caught you at a terrible time. You're not... Um... No, it's all good. It's all good. I just stepped outside. It's no biggie. Beautiful. Well, look, I just want to see how you're going, really. You're, you know, you're <laughs> part of this pod. We're just going to check in. For example, how's the farm going? Oh, the farm is going fine. My oldest goat just keeps jumping fences no matter how high we make them. She's a turd and she eats anything she wants. So, fun stuff. And and just your all your animals on the farm have some kind of utility. Like eventually, do you plan on eating the goat? Nah, they're all too. I don't like goat either. So no, they're just pets. We're just suckers. We hand read them from babies, and because they, you know, they walk up to you and they look at you with love in their eyes. I couldn't eat them. Yeah, I think it'd be weird eating your pet. I did it once, uh, which was even doubly odd because I owned mice, and I never liked it. It felt it felt wrong. Uh, did you at least cook them first? No, you got to go raw. It was sashimi, okay. essentially. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan. Well, the next step is children, Mario, and you know, then it's a slippery slope. Just ask Azaria Chamberlain. Um, I'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Mario. Um, mate, I want to know how have you found the game so far? Now, you're not allowed to go into an incredibly deep post mortem about the Roosters game. That's these are the ground rules. Oh, really? <laughs> no, please well, go mean- for it. Enjoyed that Roosters game, result or not. I thought it was I thought it was quite a good game. Although I never I never honestly thought the Roosters were gonna win. They were always in the game, but it, they just never felt like they were quite on the right level. They just looked a little bit tired to me. I guess like you know it was the end of three years of of a lot of effort, and it finally caught up with them. Especially Boyd Cordner, who I think mm. let it, let him play Origin. The guy needs to retire. Just just you're done. Well, I mean, I agree with you, Boyd's not where he would normally be, but I mean, calling for his early retirement, I mean, that seems a bit extreme. How do you how do you find that one, Xander? Yeah, I, I think we all agree. I mean, you know, he had a couple of bad misses and, and wasn't quite at his best. I think, you know, I'd almost be tempted to leave him out of origin this year. I think he kind of needs the break. I, I think that's fair. I think we have enough amazing plays in that position and I, I personally just worry about him all the all the he seems like a, a top bloke and all those concussions he's had and injuries and whatever else it's just yeah I think he needs a rest he kind of in that last last game he looked like he was a manly player that's how bad he looked speaking of a manly fan uh, did you find it hard to watch those games because obviously as a manly fan you probably found it pretty hard to fathom seeing two teams playing at a high standard no, it doesn't bother me at all because I, more and more as I'm getting older, I'm just enjoying rugby league rather than worrying about my team, especially as we haven't been going as well the last few years. I just, you know, apart from apart from watching the Storm, I pretty much enjoy watching every team now, and especially teams like Penrith and South are particularly interesting to watch, and the whole story behind Canberra being this bottom four, like, you know, bottom half of the eight team, you know, that's never been, they've never won from outside there before, so that'd be pretty exciting if they manage it. Same for South, I guess. Mate, you, you've you've obviously had a bit to drink. You're far too jovial for my liking. You're very diplomatic. You're very philosophical, which I guess it means you're growing up and you're becoming a man and mature. I get all that. But I want to know this. I want you to put your forecasting goggles on. 
out of these four teams left, who, if you had to stake your life on it, is going to win the premiership? Oh, just to, just to make me unhappy, it's going to be the fucking storm, isn't it? Just to guarantee that I don't enjoy the grand final or anything about it. What's your what's your nightmare scenario? I mean, obviously for us, it's a Storm South's grand final. How do you see it? Look, I'm kind of happy with any of those three teams winning. It genuinely doesn't bother me whether it's South Penrith or Canberra. I just the nightmare is just Storm winning forty one nil. Actually, there you go. There's my nightmare. Well, these two games coming up, where is it going to be won and lost, Mario? Uh, Melbourne and Canberra, we know they've got a, a pretty interesting recent history. Canberra have actually had a, a bit of a record of upsetting Melbourne. You, in your mind, it wouldn't be incredible to see the Green Machine actually advance to the grand final, or do you think Melbourne are going to go through? It, it wouldn't be the hugest surprise, but I do think Melbourne are more likely. That week off, I think, is going to be huge for them. I really think that's... It just you know, they they had a few little niggling half injuries and stuff like that. I think that's a, a big thing to have to be able to have that rest. Where Canberra have had that tough game against the Roosters, and yeah, like, and that, and Canberra also are carrying Jared Croker, who's an absolute spud. And Storm don't really have any spuds in their team, and I think that might just be the difference. Although hopefully it might come down to Whiten versus um, Whiten versus Munster. Bloody Munster and. I think on form, you know, Whiten's got him, so maybe he might be the difference. Fingers crossed. That's right, because obviously Munster's under an injury cloud, so I, yeah. I understand mm. he's going to play, but whether or not he'll be at full fitness seems uh, debatable. I'd say it's all actually the chances of that are going to be remote. What about the other side of the draw, Mario? So we're talking about Penrith and Souths. It, I mean, either way, these two games, in my mind, are going to be close and exciting. I can't see a blowout, although history uh, this year would tell me that at least one of these games will be. But who do you see winning that one between the Panthers and the Bunnies? My prediction is Panthers 51, South 50. So Penrith will then go <laughs> on and be the first team to ever win, having conceded 50 in a game. I love it. And have you got that on sports bets? Pick the score because I think it's <laughs> 8 million to 1. <laughs> I think it would be a bit. Simply because these two teams are just scoring like crazy. Their attack is just freewheeling. It's amazing to watch. They're both so good at it. Mm. They're just... To me, that I think they're the two most entertaining teams in like in this far into a season we've seen in a very, very long time. Some neutral people might suggest that the Melbourne Storm of 2017 were similar. They were certainly scoring a lot of points quite regularly. You know, go back to Manly in 2008. At least in the finals, there was they were scoring you know 40 points every game. But it just feels like these two have been doing it for quite a while. South more so now. But the, the the average scores they've gotten over about the past eight weeks is something you know about thirty four points or something like that for South, which is just insane. I agree with you, mate. In fact, that's a great bet in itself, betting overs total point score because you're right. Actually, right. Both of these guys, both of these teams have got a, a massive record of putting up some pretty big scores. But just to pick you up on your point there about the two most entertaining teams, for me, it's definitely been the Brisbane Broncos because I do love torture porn. Um, but mate, I want to talk about just to keep it on a betting frame because why not? We're trying to attract a betting agency sponsor. So let's keep it on that theme for the moment. Clive Churchill. Now, obviously we're not at grand final level yet, but if you had to bet between these four teams, who will eventually become the Clive Churchill winner for 2020? Who's your prediction? Um, if, okay, if it's Canberra, I think Josh Papali walks it in because Whiten got it last year. Yep, fair um, call, uh, yep. 
I think Storm, we all know it's Cam Smith. You can absolutely lock mm. that in for 100% certainty. Even if they make it and lose, Cam Smith will get the, the Clive Churchill unless they lost by 30. But it's it's the narrative. Yeah. The same reason that Billy Slater got that absolute dodgy one in 2017 he didn't deserve. Same reason for Cam Smith. But And, and mind you, if he if win or lose, if giving him the Clive Churchill makes the prick finally retire, then I'm all for it. Give it to him. In your mind, who should have won the Clive Churchill in 2017 out of interest? Is that... Torhu Harrison, it's not close. Okay, fair enough. You had that lined up. I love that. I, I was going to say Tim, Tim Glasby. I hate, say, I hate to say Cam Smith was second in line. He was the next best player on the field, but Torhu Harris was, a, to my mind, quite a, quite a ways ahead. Eamon and I had the same discussion earlier. Uh, I think he's got his own ideas about who he thinks is going to get the Clive Churchill. But I said, look, if Melbourne are in there, it doesn't matter. They're going to give it to, to Cam Smith if, if the word is he's going to retire. The question is, if he plays Origin, does he deserve to get it on a sentimental basis? I, I think he deserves a. I think he deserves to have his kneecaps taken out. But that's not <laughs> That's there. the Mario we know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad we managed to ruffle your feathers, mate, and really get this I, anger I, out I, of you. I, I do want to say, if Penrith win, my prediction... Whether, not, I'm not going to say my prediction for the Clive Churchill, but my prediction for the best player in the field will be Luai. You know what? And I believe mm. he's about 25 to 1. Pretty good pretty good value there on Luai, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and mainly because Cleary has, you know, the media will want him to win. Yeah. But what about Isaiah Yo? If it becomes one of these games where it's a bit of a slugfest, he's just the type of guy that people love to flog over. Uh, and you can imagine becoming the uh, you know the Clive Churchill winner because I think he'd be about a hundred to one. So I might put I don't know just a, a, an easy ten k on that. <laughs> Why not? And then retire instantly. Yeah, hey, that's it. The podcast isn't making us too much money right now, so that'll actually add to the top of the pile. I quite like that. Hey, well, I have to say, all those sweet sweet podcast dollars that you keep getting, I'm waiting to see my cut. <laughs> Mate, your cut at the moment comes in uh, in the form of kudos and respect. Which is, oh. which is the kind of currency you can't buy anywhere. <laughs> it's priceless. <laughs> Mate, I've got a final question to finish off on, unless you've got one, Xander. I don't want to jump the gun here. No, no, that, no you're good. I'm out. Mate, um, I've got, it's a very serious one, so do brace yourself. Um, if you had to wear any form of Manly Greats underpants for the rest of your life, whose would it be and why? Cliffy. Okay, that was so fast. That sounded, sounded like you. He's my favourite player. Oh, I was going to say you sounded like you really thought about that. Um, <laughs> I didn't give it too much thought. Let's be real. If I was going to be honest, it would have to be someone smaller, more like Brett Stewart, because I'm not that big myself. And you know, you put me in George Rose's underpants, and they'd be it'd be a doona on me. Yeah, it'd be a tent. You don't want that. What about uh, Jeff yeah. Tuvey? Might be the obvious fit. Uh, Jeff Tuvey may have been short, but he was solidly built. I reckon he'd have thighs of steel. Yeah, and obviously a 17-inch penis, which could be the perfect fit for you, Mario. <laughs> I'm not casting any dispersions whatsoever. Uh, I, but... I think Jeff Tuvey has been described as a 17-inch penis. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what if he had uh, Jeff Tuvey's, if Tuvey's underpants had giant skid marks in it, would you still wear them? Honestly, I think I probably would because it's too. Yeah, why not? And then just call for an investigation. Mario, thanks for being on the show again, mate. I don't know we caught you on the hop, but go back to partying and reveling and riding the goat like you were before. And uh, here on the Volunteer Tackle, we're always happy to have you on. Thanks, boys. Have a good one. See you, mate. See you, mate. Thank you for listening to the Voluntary Tackle. 
the only NRL podcast prepared to palm off the big issues. The program would like to advise listeners that because its hosts have developed a gold Rolex shopping addiction, they need your help. Please make comments and ratings on Apple Podcasts, or alternatively, awkwardly shoehorn the show into conversations with friends and loved ones. You may also wish to follow the show across social media platforms. They include Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The Voluntary Tackle is now also available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you again for flying with the Voluntary Tackle. Your luggage is now our property and you will not be seeing it again. In the event of a non-traditional landing, please assume the Russians have blown another plane from the sky and feel free to panic.